0: following the liturgical year reminds us of how subversive that calendar is and how hard it is in our culture to maintain it today in fact epiphany sunday we're singing we three how completely anticlimactic it sounds aren't you glad we didn't have to slog through all five verses and here we are in this Epiphany Sunday, the season of Epiphany, it actually started yesterday, which, by the way, is the Orthodox day for Christmas, 12 days after our Christmas. And I'm sure you didn't take your Christmas trees down and your decorations until yesterday for Epiphany to celebrate any more than you put your Christmas trees up on Christmas Eve, which would be the liturgically correct way to do it. Actually, ours came out the day after Christmas, um you got to hedge this culture, church, liturgical thing as best you can. And by the way, is there a game today? I sense there must be. Today's text is one familiar to us about the wise men, or the three kings from the Orient, making their way to the manger. And while it is an epiphany text, it is also And this fits with culture, a seasonal text, for it is about the light that shines in the darkness and guides them through the darkness, just as we, facing our dark days of winter, need the light to guide us. Unless your name is Dracula, you generally don't like the dark, but maybe this story tells us something of the value of darkness nevertheless. Listen for the text as I read it, and as I do so, pay attention to the dark places and the light places that are woven through it. In the time of Herod, darkness, it would be like saying in the time of Adolf Hitler. In the time of Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem Light, asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? Born where? In the dark. For we observed his star at its rising at night and have come to pay homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened. Now darker still the scene, and paranoid. And all Jerusalem with him, fear is a contagion. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, dark and threatening, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. Then Herod secretly, dark, conspiratorial, called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. Darkness and lying. So dark, in fact, Herod could see no light. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was, At night, dark and light. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy, light. On entering the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they knelt down and paid him homage, light, worship. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, light, generosity and gratitude, And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road, light, God's providence. What follows from this reading I did not read, but it is as dark as dark gets. The wise men, having been told not to return to Herod, do not. Herod then becomes even more paranoid and begins to commit the slaughter of the innocents. Killing of every child under two years old in the area of Bethlehem because he feels so threatened by this newborn king that the wise men came to find. It's an epiphany experience, this light breaking in so that in it we see things in a new way. It's a manifestation, a new realization, something comes to us wherever we are, usually in the darkness, and opens us up to a new possibility, a new awareness. We may not even know we were in the dark until the light breaks in on us, and then we can see what darkness we were in. In business, it's called a paradigm shift, but that really doesn't carry the gravitas. It's a aha moment that inevitably comes to us when we are struggling with grief, or with guilt, or with despair, or depression, or with meaning, or some other level of darkness. And when it does, it brings to us an enlightened truth. And after we see it, we usually follow it. Interestingly, almost everything new I found grows out of darkness. Just as our life starts from our birth and the darkness of our mother's womb, so does all new life begin. The Bible starts that way, with darkness, the creation story. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And if God was the creator of all things, then God preexisted that creation, which means that God must have created the darkness to begin with. The creation begins with darkness, as does the Jewish day. The Jewish day begins at sundown, when there is enough darkness in the sky to be able to discern three stars— At that moment, the day has begun, unlike us that begins the day on midnight, but practically in the morning when the sun comes up and we get up, the Jewish day, as does the Sabbath, begin at the sundown. It's hard for us to understand the power of darkness as the Bible speaks to it physically or metaphorically or metaphysically in our world today because we are surrounded by light the LED lights on our phones and our computers and our television sets, the bulbs everywhere, the street lights, the car lights, the city lights. It's an illumination almost 24-7. But remember the time when Irma came through and we were left with a power outage? If you didn't have a generator... The Bible times were like this every single day. No flashlights, no generators, only fires or lamps, lanterns, or clay pots filled with olive oil that would be a light or a candle. In the, in the Bible, when they say darkness, they mean darkness as cloudy as a midnight sky on top of a mountain afar, uh, as dark as a cloudy midnight sky on top of a mountain afar away from civilization. It gets no darker. This epiphany thing grows out of this darkness, and it begins this way. We're groping around in the darkness and then something hits us, a glimmer at first, but that's enough. Something new is realized and it changes our mind or our course. And the next thing you know, you're aware of things in a completely different way. And that's hard, you see, because to face a change like that means to suggest that where we were before was not exactly in the right place. Who wants to say that? I was in the dark, but now I see. Usually what we try to say is, I see, I see, I know, I know, I'm not in the dark. But the more we can acknowledge this, our own blindness, our own darkness, I think the more able we are to glimpse the star of wonder in the night sky is trying to help us find our way back. An older man I met right after I came to Riverside summoned me from the hospital. He was not a member. Turns out that he was facing his imminent death. He had emphysema, and he needed a, he needed me as pastor to hear his confession. His confession was that he had grown up at this church or had spent time in this church. And the pastor then, Albert Kissling, was deeply involved in integration issues and fighting the darkness of racism. And this man went on to tell me, I, I, I was a racist and I couldn't stay there and I left. And only until about two years ago was I able to come to grips with my own darkness. And that was when I was diagnosed with my disease. It was his epiphany. And he asked me to forgive him, to share with him God's love, because he came to understand how dark his life had been up to that point, which, of course, I did, with the assurance that God's light always overcomes the power of our darkness. When this epiphany breaks in, the common experience discovering this about ourselves is that we have been stumbling around for a long time. And then the light comes, and it blinds us, or shocks us, or moves us, and we see. That may be one reason that we are afraid of the dark. It reveals the light that reveals our darkness. It's not, you see, what just roams around out there in the darkness outside of us, but what monsters we discover are roaming around inside of us. Not totally, not completely, but they have their place. They have their own little closets that they tuck themselves into, and from time to time, they find their way under our beds. We got to shoo them off or shoo them out, but we don't like that darkness because it's about us. I was reminded of this when I did my three-day vision quest two and a half years ago in the North Georgia mountains. I was given a little tent with bent wooden little trees to make an igloo, this little blue plastic covering. I had to stay inside of it At night, as soon as the sun went down, I went inside. The mosquitoes were bad to begin with, but I couldn't escape them. Mostly I went in because I was bored to tears. I couldn't eat or I couldn't drink. I just had to sit there for three days. So I figured if I just go to sleep, the day would pass faster. Only I couldn't sleep because I was sitting on an ant bed and mosquitoes and ants were crawling all over me. When I finally did get to sleep, I was easily awakened by every single noise in the dark. I discovered I was, in fact, yes, afraid of the dark. The leaves would rustle from birds walking in them or squirrels. I could hear the coyote howl off in the distance, only it didn't seem that far away. And the second night there, I heard the footsteps of something drawing closer, rustling the leaves, step by step, by step, and I knew it had to either be a coyote, it was probably a bear, but I was becoming more convinced it was Bigfoot. What I discovered in that place, in that dark place, was not the darkness that I was afraid of outside of that tent, but the darkness inside of it, in my own little world, I discovered on that vision quest, maybe a year later, how narcissistic I had been in thinking that I was going to have this incredible experience to begin with. I experienced the darkness of my own conceit and my own hubris, my own animosity, and especially my own anger, anger I felt toward others and even toward God which is a hard thing to admit when you're a preacher, a follower of Christ. What I discovered is that there's plenty more darkness inside of me than there is outside of me, and that what I'm doing most of the time is projecting that darkness onto others. If you ever had to face that experience yourself, you know what I mean. If you haven't, I pray that you will. In this sense, you see, the darkness can be our friend, friend. It serves as the dark frame around which the light can shine more clearly. It frames things. When I was trying to learn how to paint, I was taught that values are the dark brushstrokes that help illuminate what we want to focus. And the more darkness, the more value we can use, the more depth there is to the painting, the more dimensionality there is. There are many kinds of darkness. but The darkness I'm talking about is the darkness that the light overcomes in the one we call Christ. It is this light that enables us to see at night. Indeed, it might be scary, but it is meant simply to guide us in the darkness like the star that led the way to guide those wise men to Bethlehem. What made them wise, of course, was that they could look and take seriously the darkness. Their job was to look into the stars. They were astronomers. They looked in the darkness. That was their job. And the more in the darkness they were able to look, the Sooner they were able to see the star of wonder. They recognized it. Herod did not, because Herod had covered himself with all the false light of power. They made their way from the east, Persia, basically Iran, through the darkness and the desert on camel, refusing to get caught up in the darkness of Herod's paranoid conspiracy knowing that they had to find this child, the light in the manger. And once finding him, they gave homage and gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and then returned home a new way, again to avoid the darkness of Herod. They could see in the dark and could recognize the power of Christ, the illumination of, of Christ, not only to the Jews and to the upcoming Gentiles, but to all the people in all the world and all the nations, even Persia. Barbara Brown Taylor, in her recent book, Learning to Walk in the Dark, writes about when she was young, she had trouble going to sleep at night. She thought there were monsters under her bed or in her closet, as did most of us. Every night, she would be tucked in by our parents, kissed goodnight, told to go to sleep. They would turn off the lights. In five minutes, she was screaming for her parents to come bring comfort. They would come in, turn the lights back on. She writes, one thing my parents and I shared was the wish for a quick fix. They wanted to get back to whatever they were doing in the living room, and I wanted to stop being afraid. So we settled on a solution that worked for both of us. Eliminate the darkness. Leave a light on in my room at night so that it was never dark. For now, it was enough to say that darkness is shorthand for anything that scares me, she writes, that I won't know part of, either because I am sure that I do not have the resources to survive it or because I don't want to find out. The absence of God is in there, what I'm afraid of, Along with the fear of dementia and the loss of those nearest and dearest to me, so is the melting of polar ice caps, the suffering of children, and the nagging question of what it feels like to die. If I had my way, I would eliminate everything from chronic back pain to the fear of the devil from my life and the lives of those I love if I could just find the right night lights, to leave on. To live like this, she writes, to embrace this need always to have a light on, she calls full solar spirituality. Since it focuses on staying in the light of God around the clock, both absorbing and reflecting the sunny side of faith, you can usually recognize a full solar church, she writes, by its emphasis on the benefits of faith, which include a sure sense of God's presence Certainty of belief, divine guidance in all things, and reliable answers to prayer, followed by no more darkness or illness in your life if you are simply faithful enough. Members strive to be positive in attitude, firm in conviction, helpful in relationship, and unwavering in faith. It sounds like heaven on earth. Who would not like to dwell in God's light 24-7? only we don't for as in each day it is at least 12 12 light and darkness in life there is plenty of darkness to go with that light so here's your epiphany for epiphany things are not black or white good or evil either or but instead two parts of a greater whole The true spiritual path sees and embraces the darkness just as much as the light, not as binary opposites, but in balance, like the symbol for yin, the white feminine teardrop, and yang, the black masculine teardrop, that come together to form that Buddhist symbol of a complete circle. That's the wholeness light and dark. And it is, in fact, through this darkness that we learn what the light means and why it matters. And that we learn how to grow and grow up and mature and become more whole ourselves as we wrestle through grief and despair and anger and depression or whatever is put on our plate. And we no longer have to learn to to wrestle with the weird things we wrestle with that really don't matter, like our feigned guilt and our neuroses But instead, we start wrestling with what does matter, like Jacob at the river when he wrestled with God all through the darkness and found that his manhood had been injured. But he ended up with a brand new name out of it, from Jacob to Israel. A new life was born. I am told often that I preach too many dark sermons. And that you need, and I hear this, you, you struggle, there are plenty of struggle in life. Darkness is all over the place. We come to church so that we can be enlightened and, and, and find hope and, and, and to be built up so that we can go back out. And that's what we need, not to be so dark, but to give us something more lighthearted. So this year I am committing, I hear that, I, I'm committing to spend more time in the light which is why I'm starting out the first Sunday of the year in the darkness. (laughs) Because it begins in the darkness, then the light. All things start here, and it is in and through the darkness that we must go before we can truly catch the glimmering star that guides our way. I remember one of my early epiphanies of this when I was in the bus going to Young Life Camp at Windy Gap at 15 years old. I had never been to camp away from home one night. I was a little anxious, to be honest. I was not so much afraid of the dark as I was afraid of the uncertainty of what this was going to be like. I knew it was a religious camp. I wasn't that real Young Lifey. So one thing I was afraid about is Was I going to measure up as a Christian? Because I got all this dark stuff going on in my life, and I'm not sure they do. My counselor wrote in my little Phillips New Testament, which was the Young Life textbook on the front cover, do not be afraid to go to sleep in the dark. God stays up all night. We've all heard that. But it brought me some comfort. Later, when I began to read the Bible, I discovered that that was simply a paraphrase of a verse in Psalm 139. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even here your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the sky, for darkness is as light to you. We see through a glass darkly, Paul says, but the light that we have to see through, like our night goggles, enables us to see at least the shadows of light and dark enough to glimpse the presence of God Walking around in that darkness and light with us. And like a solar eclipse at that moment of totality, both dark and light merge together for this incredible halo illuminating. That's what takes our breath away. Darkness is not dark to God, darkness is as light to God. For the light came into the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. In it, yes. But illuminating the presence of God even more. Let us claim the darkness, but let us especially claim it as we have been able to be illuminated by the epiphany of God's light this day.